Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. We got drilling down into one particular program today, but also one particular state, which is uh, which is always very interesting in the world of college football. This this state is very important to the world of college football, to the ecosystem. So Manny Navarro from the Athletic joins me and Ari. Manny covers Miami, and it's been an adventure for the past year covering Miami. Uh, Manny, on Friday, the news broke that, that Miami had fired Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator. He goes from the Broyles Award winner at Michigan in 2021 to fired following the 2022 season. So what what happened there? Yeah, just a disastrous first season, really. I mean, uh, I think Josh came in expecting to have the same offensive lineman that he had at Michigan, right? And he realized, wait a minute. Oh. It's not the same offensive line. This isn't the same group of players I had. And uh, it was just sort of a uh, rough transition from what Rhett Lashley used to do at Miami when they were averaging close to 30 points with Tyler Van Dyke throwing it all over the field to trying to run a Michigan-style offense that Mario Cristobal wanted to put in. So it was just a bad fit from the get-go. And I think as the season went on, it became evident to Mario and, and to people around the program that you had to make a change and, and bring in a different kind of guy. Andy, you know what always strikes me about situations like this? And you, you tell me, Manny, if you think I'm nuts. But it's like, who's to blame here? Is Gaddis to blame or is, is Mario to blame? Yes. yes. It's the head coach. It's, it's his no, they're job. Both, I mean, both of them. I mean, Josh has to, has to know the roster before he takes the job. Mm-hmm. Now, the question is, and this is what the Michigan people said when Josh left, was how much input was Josh going to have in 2022 because – Matt Weiss's influence had increased. Sharon Moore obviously had a ton of influence, and he was the offensive line coach. So he he was directly responsible for the group that was responsible for their jump as an offense. And now Matt Weiss is gone now, so who knows? Maybe maybe they they call him back. But it's it is it is also on Josh to understand if you're going to leave a pretty good job that you need to know what the personnel is at the job you're going to. And also the person you're going to work for, because Mario will tell you he's tough to work for. Like he's not, he's not hiding that. No, not at all. I, I think ultimately what it was is exactly what you said, Andy, in the sense that he didn't know the roster, right? He came in, he didn't do enough of his homework to really understand what am I going to be working with? And I, and I would say the same thing for Mario. I think Mar- year one for Mario was sort of a, wow, we, we really don't have what we need here in terms of playmakers at the wide receiver position. We don't have the big lineman that I need to run the offense that I want. Uh, so it, it was a learning experience all around. But I, I put most of the blame on Mario because, look, he spent three months, four months almost, interviewing offensive yes. coordinator candidates. It took forever. It was a long process. The, the and list I know- of names, I looked at your your story the other day. I had forgotten, like, Liam Cohen and Andy Ludwig. Yeah. And, like, it is a huge list of names. Yeah, it, he talked to everybody. And, and ultimately, you know, my understanding and from writing the story with Bruce – uh, you know, a month into the season was, you know, it was like his third or fourth choice Gaddis was. It wasn't like the first guy he really offered the job to. So to me, uh, you know, this is just part of, of of Mario struggling to really figure out what he wants to do and then going after that guy and convincing him to come. And, and Gaddis sort of fell on his lap. It was sort of the perfect opportunity to hire him at that time. Mario, we, we talked <laughs> Mario. <laughs> You know he he did used he did have the same first name as the last Miami head coach, but yes. not this time. It's hilarious because I used to yeah, I used to call you Manny Diaz in Slack sometimes. Yes, you did. Um, and you have to forgive me because I was driving till like two thirty in the morning, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm very tired. Uh, Manny, 
Mario Cristobal was a home run hire, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because he was known as this big shot recruiter who had Miami ties. Um, But when he left Oregon, the number one thing, and I don't know if it was spiteful fans or, uh, or Oregon fans trying to warn the world is that, yes, he can acquire talent. He's a very good recruiter. We have questions about how he can manage his team on the field. And I think before you get to the field and mismanage your team, um, you have to manage your hires the right way. And I, I don't know if people have an appreciation for how important assistants are. I mean, even um, assistants further down than the coordinators, like offensive line, tight end. I mean, every single assistant is important because if you have a uh, liability on your team, you're going to be in trouble. Like, do you question whether or not Mario Cristobal is uh, completely on it in all regards? I I think it's a fair question to to ask, Ari, because, you know, again, like the guys who are the best at this, they have to be good at everything, right? They got to be great at recruiting. They've really got to have their head into that. And then they got to be great at just finding assistant coaches who fit what they want and can execute what they want and delegating that authority. I think in year one, Mario came in wanting to handle everything. Like he wanted to run the entire recruiting department. And I just think, I don't know that the the right kind of focus in terms of personnel was put there um, because he was so focused on just getting the recruiting department right and, and getting getting the kind of players that he wanted in that first class. So even though he took three or four months to hire this staff, I don't know how much focus was there because he was doing it while he was recruiting. And sometimes head coaches can bite off a little more than they can chew. And I think in Mario's case, um, like I said, Gaddis was his, what, third or fourth choice? um to, to hire his oc I, I don't know that that he put all the right kind of focus he needed to right in year one on hiring a coach and i don't know that he's going to do that in year two i don't know that that's going on right now uh with, with the current oc search and the quarterbacks coach that he needs to replace like i don't i don't know that he's doing all those things because he's so focused on recruit 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 that you know that's why i feel like this is this rebuild of miami Every, you know, I have people calling me saying, hey, man, you said that you think they're going to go six and six next year or, or seven and five. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's the kind of team that they're going to be, because like that's the process. You got you got to bring in the players and then bring in the coaches and, and put them around them to be successful. I think I just think Mario, a long winded way of answering your question. Ari, I just think Mario is so focused on recruiting right now that that's his top priority. You guys are the athletic right director of a school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you want to fix first? I want to win. And- I, and I've, I've turned around on this. This is this is after doing that Danny White story a couple months ago, where Danny White explained his hiring process to me for for various coaches when he hired, he hired Lance Leipold at Buffalo, he hired Heupel at UCF and and at Tennessee. He explained, and and if you look his his football, men's basketball, women's basketball, all those hires have been pretty successful. He's like year one success matters more than people think. You got to be successful in year one. If you don't, you're behind the eight ball and you may never get out of that. That, Like the coach may never be able to dig out of that. And I think for Mr. The Stars Matter person, getting the right coaching staff and fixing all of the administrative stuff uh, within the program takes precedent over recruit, recruit, recruit right away. Right, right. Because, I mean, Heupel's an interesting example. They didn't have great recruiting classes they they had a, a highly ranked one this year in two, in 2023 but they started winning right away so i, I mean that's and, any and that's hendon hookers laying around in, 
Coral Gables right now or what? Well, that's the thing. Hidden, <laughs> but Hidden Hooker was a cast off from Virginia Tech who didn't. No, even... no, I know. But yeah. the fact that he turned out to be as good as he was was a certain certainly yeah. a help in that regard. Yeah, and and then it, so Manny, I want to talk to you about this anyway because we can't really talk about Mario Cristobal in Miami without also talking about Billy Napier in Florida. They're mm-hmm. they're very intertwined. Whether it's Jaden Rashada, Cormani McLean, or just they every are, other recruit. Yeah, every bumping, other recruit they bumping head to heads on recruit. <laughs> yeah, but but then there's this completely different philosophy going on in Tallahassee, mm-hmm. out of necessity because they don't have the same amount of money. Where they're they're paying the guys who are actually good at college football and getting them to stay, and like having no opt outs in the bowl game, and it's crazy because. You know, Billy Napier and Mario Cristobal got hired based on their ability to succeed in the old way. But I don't know if that the old way works. Right. It's a great it's a great question, Andy. I I, I think about that all the time, too, because, you know, Miami fans like I, I've said this to a couple of people. Like I worry sometimes that Mario would have been the perfect coach 10 years ago for Miami, you know, because, right. because there was no transfer portal. There was none of that stuff. Well, And, and like when they when they flipped the switch and decided, OK, we're going to spend like Clemson now. Right. Like spending on that stuff mattered 10 years ago. Obviously now spending on something else matters. And Miami's well set up for that too, but it's not, it's still not easy. No, you have to be good at everything here to, to really build the kind of team you want. And, you know, Dabo obviously continues to, to not care about the transfer portal at some point. I think he's going to have to, um, but you know, for, for in the state of Florida, as far as Mike Norvell is concerned, like he's just figured it out. Like you yeah. bring in 15 to 17 high school recruits. You spent, you know, the rest of the, uh, of, of your uh, product is, is transfers and you just do the best you can with that. And, and it's worked and he's got them in a position this coming season to be very, very good. And then to build, I think an excellent recruiting class off of that success, right? The, the rise right. to 10 I mean, wins. That, that, that's the tricky part is you got to then turn it to high school recruiting as Chris Callahan right. in the chat points out. Kirby Smart is making the old way work pretty good right now. High school recruiting is still what matters. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm at happy that Georgia at Alabama at Ohio State. Chris Callahan jumped into that because when you said that in your back of your head, I was thinking like in the back of my head when you said they they were hired to do the old way. I was like, the old way is the way. The you old just have way to wins get away titles, but you got to you got to keep your job long enough to so, get to that point. So my question, I guess, here is: you were talking about the difference between Florida State and Florida and Miami. And I think what Mike Norvell is doing at Florida State is great. But I think that it's great for a 10-win team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the ceiling recruiting that way. The, the, so the, the problem is if that 10-win team, which isn't good enough to win the national title, keeps beating the crap out of Miami and keeps beating Florida, he's going to get them fired. And they're never going to get to the but other. At place. a certain point, doing it the Florida State way has to turn into the Kirby Smart way. Yes, because doing it the Florida State way now for eight years and going ten and two, or nine and three, and being good and beating Florida and Miami when they're not when they're not the uh, when they're not the best versions of themselves is only going to get you so far. Like the old way is the only way to have a sustained national championship contender long-term. And until I see a team buy their way out of it with NIL, I don't know what that is. So like if you yeah, are Miami, it's going to be a while before you see that. Because so maybe got- the new way is get through the first two years, get the, the water to stop ch- chopping so much 
and then try to slowly descend back into the old way. Well, and, and Manny, this is the, the interesting thing with Mario because he does, and the thing I appreciate most about him is he cares about what happens up front and understands what happens up front matters more. You look at Miami's 2023 recruiting class, the four highest ranked players, two offensive tackles, two edge rushers. Like USC's on the other coast going like this with their, their, their magnifying. <laughs> wait, 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 where are the receivers? Where are the quarterbacks? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, I think it takes everything, right, to ultimately get there, but it, it does start up front. And especially with these SEC teams and the way that they dominate um, and win championships every year, it's like they've all got dudes up front. And if you don't have dudes up front, so Mario, from that perspective, obviously learned something when he was around Nick Saban and how he built championship programs. And and he's carried it on, and, and he did it at Oregon. He built really good offensive lines at Oregon, had great defensive edge rushers, Kayvon Thibodeau, all those guys. So I think he's building it the right way. Um but in the end, like you do need to mix in the transfer portal if you're if you're not Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State, you just have to. Um, it's the only way you're going to get the kind I, of players to fill the needs you need, you have. I gotta say, as I look down this class, Manny, we need Robbie and Bobby Washington to become stars. Oh like, yeah, that's just great, great brother names. <laughs> like, if it, why did I not name my kids Robbie and Bobby? I could well, have done it with the boy, the boy Robbie and the girl Bobby if I had wanted to. B O B B I. You you remember their dad, uh, Bobby Washington Senior, the oh, yeah. uh, running back Miami Killian back in the day. Yeah. Oh he, yeah. Uh, signed with Miami and ended up, I think, at NC State and some other schools and never ended up playing. But uh, but, but yeah, he was but he's but both those kids are, are phenomenal. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah both those kids are very good. <laughs> uh, I I'm just excited about that. But but that's a the, those guys have to hit. So let's let's talk about the roster at Miami right now. Because mm-hmm. Mario's looking for an offensive coordinator. The, there was a lot of excitement coming in because Tyler Van Dyke was so good at the end of Manny Diaz's last season. And it thought the thought was, oh, this will just transfer over. Right. So what happened to them from a from a from an offensive standpoint? Lost a lot of good players early in the year to injury. Uh Xavier Restrepo was probably their most experienced uh receiver coming back. He got hurt second or third week of the season, missed seven games. Zion Nelson had knee surgery, never got off the ground, played 60 snaps. Both of those guys were going to be uh, – that was going to be their best offensive tackle and their best receiver. So right off the bat, you lose both of those guys pretty much early on. And then um, you never really found replacements. Like you, you played musical chairs with a couple of offensive linemen, um, but you were playing guys that, that Mario brought in from Oregon and Logan Sagapalu and, um, you know, uh, just guys that he had brought in that played for him over there that had never played at Oregon that were bench guys, and th- that's who you kind of went with on your offensive line. And and so they never really got to establish the running game that they wanted. Their running backs were banged up as well. You lost Don Chaney in camp. Uh, so f- from a roster perspective, it was just a bad start. Like, you were playing backups from the beginning. And after that Texas A&M game, it just felt like they lost something. Like, not only did they lose the game, but it felt like they lost sort of their enthusiasm, you know, the players <laughs> – and and they, ne- they never really recovered it. And, and Tyler, at, at a certain point, Tyler Van Dyke started to, to play well. I think it was the v- Virginia Tech game where him and Colby Young, uh, the Juco transfer that they brought in at receiver, started to hook up and make big plays. And you thought, OK, maybe this is where Miami turns it on and they get to a bowl game and they finish seven and five or win eight games. And, and then Tyler goes out and gets hurt. And he was pretty much banged up, you know, uh, for the second half of the season dealing with shoulder injury. So, um it just it was a bad just a bad first year for Mario but 
you know, I feel like in all honesty, he was so focused on just flipping this roster anyway. I don't want to say he didn't care about finishing five and seven, but I think at a certain point, the focus became, all right, it's about next year now. It's about playing some of these young guys, and that's what the season became. Yeah, that's the thing that's so interesting to me is like me, uh, Andy, remember the the argument that I got into Ralph Russo about like this year you're not going to be special, so well, the Penn State do everything that you can in this year to make yourself better the following year if you know the season's going to be a wash. It is an interesting uh, pro-con discussion if you talk to people who believe that you're one success I think success there's a difference between a 10 and 2 season and a and a 5 and 7 4 and 8 type season. Like No, no, I know, but would you take a 10 and 2 season that was pretty good with older players that might not be like what what would mean more to Miami getting that young experience for next year? Yeah, Manny, but Miami Manny. Miami wasn't going to get it have a 10 and 2 season. Miami was at best going to have a 7 and 5 or a 6 and 6 season. Would you rather have a 7 and 5 season? that is respectable and you fight hard and you play well, you don't get embarrassed. You don't get your butt kicked by who was it? I, Florida state. Mi- no, it middle, wasn't Florida state. Middle Tennessee, middle, middle Tennessee, Tennessee state. Middle Tennessee I got to tell state, you, yeah. do you know the term chasing the dragon, you, you know, in gambling <laughs> well, yeah. where they in have heroin? Betting? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. It, it, her- yes. Heroin and gambling. <laughs> um, I chased the dragon all the way down in that game. of Miami <laughs> money line. It's like Miami minus – I don't remember what the, the spread was, but it, every time Middle Tennessee scored, I hit it again. And I think I lost seven bets betting on Miami just to win that football game. And then by the time it was the fourth Oof. quarter, I was like, did they really just get their ass kicked? by Because yeah. Met- they just got their ass kicked. What yeah. I'm saying is would you rather get uh, a 7-5 and five respectable year where you They hadn't even game? gone young at that point, are you? This, this example is bad. That's what I'm saying. No, yeah. no, I'm not done. Yeah. Where – you stick with those guys. Well, once you get your ass kicked by Middle Tennessee State, all bets are off. You can it's go over. if you want. You yeah. can't, like, you yeah. have a respectable that's, year. That's and... not the Penn, yeah, that's not the Penn State argument we had. Like, I'm not trying to make it the Penn, Penn State, State argument. Right. I'm trying to but say. Yeah. No, it, yeah, once you get your ass kicked by Middle Tennessee State, like, you, said, you can say it's a rebuild. You said earlier in the year that, or early in the podcast, that Danny White told you that first year yeah. success is really important. I, right? I agree. But they didn't set themselves up for first-year success. But first-year competency, you know, if you have first-year competency, is that more important uh, than getting young guys' action in this scenario or is it just a disaster? I I do think it it hurts you in recruiting to be incompetent on the field. Like, that – I know individual games don't matter to recruits. But the total picture does. But the total picture does. And so, like, again – all bets are off once you get your ass kicked by Middle Tennessee State because pretending to be competent isn't going to happen either. Listen, everybody knows. I was going to say they were guys that they wanted, like Brandon Innes, for instance, right? Who signed with Ohio State, who's a five-star receiver in their backyard. Like that's a guy that they wanted to impress with this offense. They they lost <laughs> Brandon Innes essentially because he, there's no way he's going to go play for this offense. Yeah. Brian Hartline's like, look at that, and look at what we do. <laughs> Where do you want to go? It's really not hard. Well, I mean, but that's not fair either. Miami could have gone ten and two, and you could have still made that statement. Yeah, but it, it, there might have been some hope, and there to go ten and two would have required some competence, and so maybe maybe it's a little bit different. But you know, I, I am curious, Manny, how that affects because again, you're right. Mario is very focused on on recruiting, on flipping the roster, and do they have to be better this year? And this is again, I, I do feel like I feel like we cannot talk about Mario without talking about Billy Napier. Like, 
do they have to be better this year or does that whole flipping the roster getting better players part just fall apart because they're like well crap you don't win anything why why don't i play there Look, they, they lost five home games this year, and it was embarrassing, right? Like, it was nasty. There were a lot of recruits that were in attendance for the for, for the Florida State game that was 45 to 3 or whatever it was. And, you know, there, a lot of guys left the stadium that night like, okay, yeah, this is this is bad. Like, this is not a program that's close to winning. And and, and these are a lot of, you know, 2024 guys that are, that are super talented that Mario wants on this roster. Um and, and it left an impression. So to me, what he needs to do this year is he's got to have a competent offense. Whether or not they win more than eight games or, or seven games, like I don't know that that matters. I just think you got to score points and you got to show people that, hey, we, we actually have this thing going in the, the right The arrow direction. needs to point up. Yes. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I think that, that that makes sense. Like you don't have to win the ACC or play for the ACC title, but the arrow has to point up. Right. You just got to show you have a pulse on offense. I mean, it I mean, was really we- bad. Are we in desperation mode here in year yep. two already? Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Isn't everybody right away? I mean, well, they, 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 oh, I don't know. I mean, think about the investment Miami made, Ari. Because this, this was something that was decades in the making that it was always, well, if Miami spent like everybody else, they could get back to doing what they used to do. Well, now they are. And it turned out it's not so easy to just turn the money faucet on and have it work. Manny, I said this to you on Stars Matter. If Mario can't do it, I don't know who can. Like, I, I honestly don't know who who's next on the. I I agree a thousand percent. Like to me, it's it, he's the one guy who wants the job, right? Like he's the one guy who's going to grind the way you need to grind on the recruiting show to to get you the kind of players you need to get back on the map. So I don't know who else has the passion to do that. Maybe Ed Reed does. Uh, that, that might be the only other guy I could imagine right now who, who wants to get into coaching and do this. Um, but to deal with what you have to deal with at Miami uh, or had to deal with in the past and then the pressure of the fan base and everything else and, and just that whole vicious circle that happens every year. Um, yeah, I don't know how many guys want this Miami job. There are a lot of other guys that Miami went after in years past that didn't want this job. When you said that, can I take this podcast with my hand? I'm going to grab this podcast. I'm going to pull it down into, into grab into ass land for a minute. Let's go. Okay. <laughs> Cause you said something that, that it felt like a lightning bolt hit the tip of, yeah, you get it. Ed Reed. Tip of what? It's from, it's from a movie. It feels like a light bolt hit the tip of my. <laughs> okay. I don't even remember that movie. So that's all right. I'll send you the link. I, I, I think it's from Step Brothers. Um, oh, that's why. If. Deion Sanders, again, this is nuts, okay? Oh boy, if Deion Sanders Let's proves, that you can, proves that you can build it in an alternate way mm-hmm. by being a recognizable former player who is connect has great connections with players and can get guys there and it works, like, could Ed Reed be an example and I'm not giving up on the Mario Cristobal era. I'm just talking in in fun podcasts. Mario Cristobal, also a recognizable former player. No, 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 no. But I'm saying, like, somebody who doesn't have a lot of experience. Like, mm. I feel like Ed Reed, in a world where it's like, there's no other Dion's. Like, Ed Reed in South Florida could potentially kind of match that same energy. He might not be able to get to Deion Sanders' land. But I was I, trying to... I, I don't think people under understand how good Dion is as a marketer. Like Dion sure. is a yeah. PhD level marketer. I saw the Ed Reed YouTube video. 
I, I saw it too. And listen, Ed would connect with players for sure. But would he be able to market his program the way that Dion has? I don't yeah. know. That's it. Dion came in there with a strat with a media strategy, and it's not the normal one. Like people don't like covering Dion because you it's not the same as everybody else. He doesn't act the same way. He doesn't go through the same channels as everybody else because he doesn't need us. Like, right. yet, yet he gets us talking about him anyway. So that's the part that I, I think people miss with Dion. There are a lot of really good former players who have a lot to give, who want to work with players, who want to make them better, who want to help their alma maters get better. It's not the same thing. So, yeah, we were talking on Stars Matter, like, is there any other former player that could galvanize a roster or a program or the sport the way that Dion does? And I guess the answer might just be that he's a unicorn. Like, I was trying to come up with, like, other amazing players well, from the 90s, early 2000s. What about Tebow? Nope. You don't think he could do that at Florida? I, I don't know that he'd want to want to get into the nitty-gritty of it. Like you have to like it. You have to want to be be around there, sixteen hours a day. Right. I'm just. I'm just. I'm. I'm not built for that. Like I wouldn't want to. No, I, I know. But like a job. I think what Manny's like, trying to a say lot of is people aren't. Who would be a lightning rod like that? I mean, Tebow is that type of personality. Right. And yeah, I mean, get the response. I mean, yeah. could could a guy like that thrive with the right support system? In other words, if Florida were to hire and have the athletic director who knew who to hire as far as coaches and to support staff just to just to make tebow successful to put the recruiters around him to put the kind of people that he needs he, he would have to want it so bad like that's the thing is dion wanted it so bad that he was willing to take jackson state to mm -hmm. prove it right and i don't know that that there's another player who creates that sort of lightning rod effect that wants it that bad like maybe maybe it's ed because ed was going to go to bethune cookman right bethune cookman is a tough job I, I I watched Alvin Wyatt and his ostrich skin boots stomp around there for a while. <laughs> we played when we played mainland. That's that was their home field. The right. Mainland High School's home field too. Um, like that. That is a tough situation that he was going to walk into. And if if the administration wasn't ready to provide him, because it sounds like neither party really understood what the other one was coming from. Mm -mm. No, no, they, I mean, that was Ed coming to them saying, Hey, this is what I want to do. And uh, Bethune ultimately being like, wait a minute, you're going to, you're going to bad mouth us on social media. Forget this. We, we don't want any part of it. Um, yeah. and, and they weren't willing to make any concessions. So yeah, uh, they but, didn't understand Dion bad mouth, the entire HBCU system right. on social media in an attempt to try to make it better. Like he was trying to change it. Mitch so, came up with a good one though. And things are going well at Tennessee right now, but Peyton Manning. Oh Yeah. It's he the way he's thrown himself into the production. I heard Julian Edelman talking in an interview about doing it, Peyton coming on Julian Edelman's show and sending him like a massive outline of what the appearance would be like and, and what plays needed to be pulled from on video for him to explain. And here's how I'm going to explain it like Peyton might be that detail oriented if that's if, what he decided he wanted to do. And it didn't have to be a Tennessee, like. No, it, it didn't anywhere. start for it didn't start for Dion oh. at Florida State. So well, Pey like, Peyton Manning resonates anywhere you are. If you put Peyton Manning and made him the head coach at Arizona, would they get dudes? Yes. 
Absolutely. Yes, and he and and he seems like like Dion, the type of person who would throw himself into all of it, and would have a good strategy. And it's it's flashy in a much different way, but it's still flashy in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's more palatable to a certain kind of person, but I think the way Dion's doing it is is very palatable as well. Yeah, in this era. I know this is your guys' show, but I want to flip oh, no. this and, and ask over. you a it's question. It's your show today, Manny. <laughs> um, do you think, I mean, seeing how Dion, you know, with the success he had at Jackson State, and maybe that happens now at Colorado, with the amount of money being fed into, you know, through TV contracts with the SEC and Big Ten, do you think any SEC or Big Ten schools that are on the bottom side of this mm-hmm. maybe venture in the next five to ten years to say, we're, we're going to make a move like this. We're going to hire another Ed Reed. We're going to hire a Deion Sanders. I, I think I actually think if Dion works at Colorado, that people on the top of the SEC and the Big Ten, or who want to be on the top of the SEC and the Big Ten and right. are not, will hire Deion Sanders. Like, that, okay. they'll be willing to do it. The thing they that's need, interesting about Deion Sanders. They need to see San- proof of concept first. The thing right. that's interesting about Deion Sanders to me is – he went to Colorado and the only it seemed like the only thing that mattered to him was that they were in the power five. Right. Because mm-hmm. they needed the money. And I don't the resources. know if that's true, though, because it sounds like some other ones reached out. But but Colorado was the most willing to kind of play ball with him and give him everything he wanted. The power five program that was able to let him do it his way. Yeah. Like location geographically, I meant like it's. it's oh, yeah. I don't think that matters. It didn't matter. The, the school yeah. could have been on Mars. Yeah. So if. Deion Sanders makes Colorado into a Pac-12 champion or, dare I dream, a college football playoff team that wins a game in January. What would be the point of him ever leaving? Bigger challenge, more money if he hits a ceiling. Right. What if he wants to win a national title and you don't feel like you can win it there? His whole thing is the Deion persona. Mm -hmm. And like... If it works to the highest regard, they could win a national championship there. They could, but we got. I mean, we're, we're a lot of steps away from that. No, so no, I know, but I'm saying if it if it works, what yeah. is Mississippi State or anybody else in the SEC going to offer him? I guess more money, but he doesn't seem to be driven by that. If he, I, I think, if he feels like he could reach the highest level, he stays. If he feels like he's hit a ceiling, then he looks elsewhere. Yeah. And we're also just assuming this is going to work. It might, yeah, it might be terrible. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's, I just think it's an amazing experiment to watch because, and we've talked about this a few times on the show, Manny, like I do tend to agree with Dion and some of the other former players that they have a lot to give and they have a certain level of expertise and, and level of, you know, knowledge that no, they they didn't sit there grinding as a GA. Right. But they have something that might be more important than the guy grinding as a GA had. Absolutely. And I and I think I think they're right in the sense that they could skip a couple steps. There's no reason they couldn't, right? They they lived that life, they experienced it at the highest levels. So yeah. a guy like Dion, a guy like Ed Reed, like I, I don't know why they shouldn't be able to skip a couple steps. Well, the thing too is that if if Dion Sanders actually is successful. I don't know if hiring Deion Sanders is the topic. The topic is whether or not he shifts the entire paradigm of the right. way people view the hiring yeah. process. Yeah, and 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 it's listen, you still have to hire well. Which again, this comes back to Mario Cristobal. You have to hire well. Like, what are we most excited about that Dion has done? For me, 
it's hiring Sean Lewis as the offensive coordinator. I want to see that offense with the players that Dion can bring in. I, I would argue it's signing Travis Hunter, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would say yeah. he's the number one player in the well, country. I, I meant since he got to Colorado. <laughs> right. No, but like, what, he, what he's yeah. saying, though, is, is that, in my opinion, is uh, it's one thing to get the players, but if you instill a, a situation where they can succeed, mm-hmm. you know, it seems to me that, like, you could make the case that Sean Lewis from Kent State, who, by the way, watched a lot of Wednesday night football in my day. Yeah. A lot of fun to watch. And I think he was a head coaching candidate for other, like, he was on lists. Yes. Um, Sean, Sean Lewis not, not being a head coach anymore actually does change our uh, head coach Royal Rumble rankings because he was way up there. Like, he wasn't, I don't know if he was quite to Luke Fickle territory, but he was up there. So. Yeah, and it might have been the most significant coordinator hire of the cycle. Very well could be. Well, hey, Miami hasn't hired one yet. So let's <laughs> we have let's no work. idea. Al- they Alabama. should do what the New England Patriots did and hire Ed Reed to be the offensive coordinator. There you go. That would bring some somebody who's programs. never called plays before. Yeah, and was a defensive <laughs> coach and a defensive and, player. And, yeah. and the and the <laughs> Patriots just hired Bill O'Brien from Alabama. So that that didn't work. So but yes, I, I like I like where your head's at, Ari. I like that you're experimenting. You mean that hiring a defensive coordinator to call offensive plays didn't work? I'm shocked to hear that. I know, crazy. I think I like the idea that Bill Belichick was just raising his level of difficulty on himself. It's like playing if you're like an NBA player <laughs> yeah. playing uh, with one arm time behind. Yeah, your he back. wasn't he yeah. wasn't challenged anymore. <laughs> he was cranking it up from All American to to Dynasty or yeah. Or, uh, yeah, that that's what he was doing. So, all right, guys, we got to pause real quick. When we come back, though. I do want to talk to Manny about a story he wrote earlier this month about a little bit of how the recruiting ranking sausage is made because we talk about dudes and five stars a lot. Well, how's that get figured out? We'll be right back. I was talking to my wife about my workout routines the other day, and she said, you should start doing some yoga. I said, yeah, you're right. I should. And then I didn't even think about how will I find yoga? Where do I, do I need to go to a studio? I don't even have to worry about that because I am a Peloton member. If I need a yoga workout, I flip on my Peloton app and I find hundreds of yoga workouts that fit my schedule, that fit my ability level, and that make me work because they've got it all. I know what you're thinking. You hear Peloton, you're like, that's the bike. Well, it is the bike, but it's also the treadmill. It's also the free weight workouts. It's the boot camp workouts. They've got something for everybody. I've got to go on a trip this week. I'll be in a hotel gym. There will be tread boot camp workouts with Adrian Williams and Jess Sims that will be as hard as anything I can do in a regular gym. And dumbbells only go up to 50 pounds in the hotel gym. But guess what? I am going to be working my butt off because those guys know how to push you and they know what you're dealing with. That's the thing. Peloton understands that professionals need to be able to fit stuff into a schedule. They need to be able to do it on the road. That busy working parents don't have time sometimes to do an hour and a half or two hours or go make an appointment with a personal trainer. Peloton, you just pop open the app. There is a workout there that you can do, that you can fit into your schedule. And trust me, it works. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial, new members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. That's onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. For the longest time, I couldn't understand why 
They could make athletic clothes that could wick sweat away and make me feel comfortable all the time, but they couldn't do that for stuff I could wear in a work situation. Well, Roan fixed that. Roan didn't start advertising until after they saw me wearing the Roan commuter polo on a podcast because I owned three of them already. It was my favorite polo. They also made my favorite pants, and it was just a perfect match. These are clothes that you can wear in any situation. You can play golf. You can go to work. You can go to the beach. You can go to a meeting. And we, we don't live in a super formal society anymore. The pandemic took away a lot of that. So it's really good if we're just wearing pants at this point. Well, if you want to look great, you should be wearing some Roan pants. The commuter jogger, my absolute favorite pants that I own. Men's closets were due for radical reinvention. Roan stepped up to the challenge. With Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner all year. That's right. Throw this stuff in the washing machine. You put it in the dryer. It comes out looking great. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash Andy23. Use the promo code Andy23 and save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com slash Andy23. That's R-H-O-N-E dot com slash Andy23. Use the code Andy23, 20% off your entire order. It's time to find your corner office comfort with Roan. Okay, we are back. Manny just got a message. Or Ari yeah. just got somebody just got a message. It was it, it was, was me. probably about <laughs> it's probably about a five star. Because you had a great story about a week ago in the athletic. We were talking about what matters when it comes to ranking the top prospects. And you talked to Andrew Ivans, who's the director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, and he was explaining the situation and how he gets hit up by coaches. All, how how could my guy drop a star? Like <laughs> <laughs> and, and and they use the composite or they do the composite at 24-7. So they make their own rankings. But then if rivals or ESPN or on three drop somebody, then the person might fall in the composite. And in this particular case, when you're talking to Andrew, it wasn't even his fault. So how, how does that work? How, like, how do they decide how many five stars there are? Yeah, and Andrew and I had this conversation a couple of years ago when I was doing a local radio station here. He would come in and we would talk, and this was before he was the scouting director for Two Four Seven. And and so I know all of this has been his thought process, but essentially it's it's all built on thirty two first round draft picks. Like that's what it's supposed to be. So Two Four Seven ranks thirty two five stars every single year. We debated and, this on the show last week, and then the composite. It wasn't um, a debate. I knew what the reason was, and you guys were like, no, that's not that's, No, no, I said I was on <laughs> okay. Go back and listen to it, bud. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> but, but the composite, ultimately, you could have a change. You know, that number can change as far as how many five stars, obviously, because if ESPN and On3 and other publications think a guy's a five-star and he gets enough points, then it, then he becomes a composite five-star. But ultimately, 247 only ranks 32. Yeah, and it, it, it's interesting because it, the numbers have changed a little bit because – the four stars, and that's what, we, we, you know, Bud Elliott, our friend who works for 24-7, who mm-hmm. coined the term blue chip ratio and said you need to have at least 50% four and five stars on your roster to have a chance to win the national title. Well, it's interesting because the, the number of four stars has in the composite, and, and again, so this isn't just 24-7, this is everybody's composite rankings. The number of four stars 
has risen each of the past four years. So we got like some great inflation going on here. Exactly. I think a lot of it is favors, right? Like all those coaches calling in saying, why did you drop my guy to a three star? <laughs> why isn't he a four star? Those are probably the extra like 50 favors. of. of are you saying that it's not star. a sacred process? Hey, listen, they it's hard to rank 3000 dudes, right? Like, I mean, I how, know. Do you, how do you do that every single year? Are you saying that the Bible wasn't written by God right now? <laughs> I, I, is that Ari, what he said? I, there's something leaking out of your ears, Ari. Are you, are you okay? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't like that last part, Manny. I apologize, Ari. Right. I didn't mean to burst your bubble there. <laughs> We're going to rechange the uh, recruiting podcast on Favors Matter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that that is that is sort of the, the issue. There's a back and forth there, and, you know, I, I don't think – they want to do it too much, but yeah, if, if somebody's going to give you some access or give you, I, it'd be hard to say no, wouldn't it? Because right. who's going to know? I mean, at this point, right? Like what recruiting department is not talking to the two, four, seven guy or the on three guy to give them they all exchange are. information, right? Like, and, I mean, cause we, we, we talked Manny on the podcast, we had Bruce on mm -hmm. and he had that great story about the, the NFL all pro team and how the offensive players were, were ranked so low generally coming out of, uh, out of high school. And we, you know, we explained that like Nick Saban or Kirby smart, they, they do their own evaluation. They don't, they're not looking at the rankings and saying, we must get this guy because he's a five-star. They're just looking at all the players that are available. And we're saying we must get this guy because we like him. It just so happens that most of those guys are the same as the five stars. But, right. but I mean, it, that's the thing. It does matter to all of the recruiting departments how many five stars or four stars they sign. I will oh, say this. If you were a coach who is calling a recruiting analyst complaining about your guy getting dropped a star, you're going to get fired eventually. Like if that's if that's yeah, where that's, you're at, if you're worried about that, but that some of, because if some you're worried about their that, contracts, they get a bonus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That would that's called insider trading. Um, <laughs> like, you don't think that, that so, happens in recruiting? No, no, no. Ari's going to call the SEC and yeah. not that SEC. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. What I'm saying is that the people who are oriented on that and care about what it looks like on paper, uh, you know, the chickens are going to come home to roost and those players yes. are going to see the field or they're not going to see the field and they're going to be hits or they're going to be misses. And coaches get raises and extensions because they – used those rankings accurately in order to boost their product on the field. Now you could juice the numbers. You could cook your books if you want, yeah. but all you're going to do is make yourself look worse in the long run, because then people are going to think you can't develop the talent. We, we've also seen staffs who, who at the end of the cycle will grab some four stars that, that may or maybe that everybody knows they're not going to qualify just to boost that final ranking. And don't worry about the fallout from it in June. Look, there's there's no question that guys are looking at the scoreboard with the recruiting rankings. Like they they care about all that stuff, man. It matters to them, uh, not just you know in terms of of helping them maybe get a job. Uh, I'm talking about the assistants here, right? Like being the recruiter of the year. I'm not talking about the head coaches. The head coaches, of course, have to win on the field. But every one of these dudes in the recruiting department, like. They want to be able to put on the resume. I was part of bringing in the number nine yeah, yeah. ranked recruiting class, like and and so. To me, like it, it's gonna affect the rankings. Now, Andrew, I will tell you, he's probably spends as much time as anybody actually watching film. So I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna accuse Andrew Ivins yeah. of, of of cooking the books, but certainly, like you know, he's he's 
like he's well, got people around him that have to Bart, field those phone calls. Barton Simmons, his predecessor, mm-hmm. is actually doing this for a team now. Like he's the general yeah. manager at Vanderbilt. So and he also the thing that's you have to his consider job. too is that if you cook your books too much, then you water down your product. And if your right. product becomes unreliable, then your business goes away. Exactly. So I'm not saying that adding an extra star to 30 guys a cycle at the end is going to do it. But if it comes to a point where it becomes unreliable, the numbers will bear out. And the other thing I'll say, too, is and I've said on the show since the beginning, since I was like Andy just had me on as a guest, that I think that athletic directors have to be more uh, seasoned and more willing to look at the recruiting rankings because it's not. And, and it's not individual rankings of players, but you can get a very good sense about how effective your coach is being in that space mm-hmm. by looking at the context of it. And if you're in a position where that's important to you, adding an extra star to the dude at the bottom of your class isn't going to help paint the picture. No, I mean, the it, picture is there for everyone to see. Are you are you getting it done or are you not? And, and, um, and you don't have to be a scout. Like, it, the AD doesn't have to be able yeah, I'm not to a scout. scout these players. But... Here's, a, here's one piece of information that I think is always very important. Who were the players' finalists? Who else did they seriously consider? Which are also juiced sometimes, but yes. Uh... No, but I mean, <laughs> but you you know for real. like yeah, Who else wanted him is the way to yeah, go. Yeah, I- I- exactly. Who else wanted him? And if, he, if it's schools you consider your peer group, that's great. Or or even, you know, above where your peer group is. If it's that's your guy your NIL, Andy. Your guide to NIL should be tax bracket, uh, not tax bracket, a uh, money bracket based on other committable offers you have. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a pretty good way to do it. If you get an Alabama offer, you get a hundred grand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, then we can Alabama, really Georgia, or Ohio State offer gets gets you. Now, now, do you just have to say you that you got an offer, or no, do no, no, have, you, you have know to have it. Real. You. It has you to know. be. It has to be real. They have to. They have to actually want you. We're, I'm working on a story right now with Grace about uncommittable offers, and kind of why they happen and why why are they even effective or what it is. And there is so much going on um, with fake offers in terms of you know parents trying to um, you know get that first offer that might not be committable in order to try to you know juice up the the process and stuff. Like who you're offered for, from is such a easy thing to sift through like who are real offers the yeah, question like, shouldn't be who how many Cle- if you have a clemson offer they really want you but if you have an offer from georgia and they're not calling you right you don't have an you offer. don't have an offer from georgia yeah. so like you you know you know there's enough context out there to know who is actually being recruited by who yes yes like and, and they know, like, are you who's visiting the school? Who's being invited to come yeah. over and over and over? Like, it. How it's often not do that you talk to, to the coach? Out. When's the last yeah. time you went? Yeah. So it, it is interesting how that works. And, and the whole system is, again, you just get rid of signing day and say you can sign any player you want as long as they're in high school. The, the, the fake offers would disappear overnight. Here's <laughs> how you do it. Okay. You get a $100,000. NIL boost every time you take an official visit to a team that went to the playoff the previous year. Ooh, I like it. Like it. And that would encourage kids to take more visits. <laughs> it how, would. How, how do you fix this, though? But somebody has to pay for that. How, how the you... NIL people are paying $13 million for Jade But they're not. It's fake money. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I was talking to Mitch about this the other day, but the calendar. Like, 
isn't there a way to fix this so that you don't have any more Jaden Rashada issues? Um, you're all there's always going to be another Jaden Rashada as long as this system is in place. Do you think it was right. the calendar or do you think it was the fact that the checks weren't clearing? Yeah, well, I, I think I think it had to do with the calendar, but I think it had to do with with the date on a you know. But what would you change about the calendar to make like what would here's, the calendar be to have him as at Florida here, right now? Here's my here's my idea. My idea is okay. A lot of these kids are done with recruiting in the summertime, right? The best Correct. of the best kids know where they're going. Yep. Have an August signing period, mm-hmm. and when you sign legally, you can start collecting nil because at that, that point that you is become, what the, the coaches would like because you become a promoter uh, yep. for that university. And so you now can you, you know why the coaches would like that? Because it makes it much harder to fire them. Absolutely. Come November. And it also makes it uh, much harder to, I mean, the reason why there isn't that, but like, I do think that the early signing period being 60 days before the late signing period is stupid. It it's is like, dumb. if it's it, going to be early, it was a half, it it was a half measure. What did, what did Mike Ehrman Trout say about half measures? Uh, he never. I remember the story. What Mike Ermintrout said. He's never going to do it again. <laughs> exactly. You remember? Exactly. Yeah, the episode was called Half Measure. Right. So it was a half measure. The idea was it was supposed to be where Manny said in August, and now this was pre NIL. Now Manny, I like your NIL idea. That would require most of the states to change their laws, but I do think that's probably due for a, an overhaul anyway, just because. There's a lot of states where they care deeply about college football where they're like, huh, we're kind of falling behind because our law is stupid. So let's fix that. Think about like how many players would be at different programs right now if the August early signing period existed. Like Austin Novosad would be at Baylor. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the only people who wouldn't sign would be the five-star prospects that hold the leverage. Everybody else would be like, either you sign with us now or you're not committed. Yeah, because like Austin Novosad, like, Jeff Grimes didn't leave. Dave Aranda didn't leave. So there'd be no reason for him to leave. He he recommitted to Baylor in the middle of the process. In the right, and, or, and, or, and Oregon Around would never August. come because they'd be like, well, he signed and we yeah. can't get him. And how many, so. player, how many teams would get players who were late bloomers signed already that wouldn't flip at the last minute? Like would Cormani McLean be at Miami or what did he sign after or did he commit he to Miami? He didn't after? commit till uh, October. But, October. You know, he okay, has yeah. he has the flexibility. He's, a, he's the number two player yeah. in the country. Yeah, yeah so. he would he would probably drag it out. So the like the way. question but, I have is if you moved it to August, would that be advantageous for the kids? For well, the prospects. For the Jaden Rashadas of the world, right? Who who had financial issues, right? His family, like he would have been locked into a school, he'd be collecting his money. And that, and you wouldn't have a Jaden Rashad. He's situation. from California. He could have been collecting the money all along, right? So, but also, what about the kid from uh, Toledo, Ohio, who's a three-star prospect and is committed to Bowling Green, uh, who rushes for twelve hundred more yards than he did the year before and grows an inch in his senior season? Who's committed to Toledo and would have had offers from Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State if he if he stayed? I mean, well, the, good, the good news is he can play a year at, to- at Toledo or Bowling Green and then and go then to one of those places. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's the case now that the, the transfer stuff and is- and and he can start an NIL free agent bidding war where if I'm a person paying for the NIL, I'm going to be much more likely to give him some serious cash after he's rush for 1500 yards at you Toledo uh than, I just took, than coming out of high school i took the time down on you just saying that and i'm going to steal it and write a column about it thank you oh great <laughs> <laughs> I, 
Can I get some credit for that? Like, nope. Just a line at the bottom in italics. <laughs> and nope. Staples contributed to this report. It was it's my beautiful idea. mind that came up with it. Yeah, thank damn you. It. <laughs> damn it! Damn it! Damn it! How many subscriptions did I sell last week? Uh, last year on the athletic, uh, plagiarizing Andy's verbal points. You think? No, you plagiarize your own verbal points. It was fine. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Well, I'm going to plagiarize your that's thought because that's good. Because I think that that is the most reasonable solution. Because I've always thought that. Having an early signing period is good for the players who have spots um, and good for the five-star players, but it wasn't good for 70% of the of the country because all it would do is force kids who might not be 100% sure um, to commit to places that they probably wouldn't have ended up at. It's just going to add more pressure to to the plates of the unpaid athletes. But now that NIL exists. Yeah, they can just leave after a year. And transferring can leave. Yeah. But that would, I mean, think about that. If how hectic this job would become and how much more you amazing are, this podcast would be. Exactly. Like if but we you, had national signing day, like early if signing the, period yeah, in if August, you're that player who blew up after signing with Bowling Green in August, like you don't have to feel pressured or feel like I'm locked into this. You go, all right, I'm going to go ball out at Bowling Green. And then the bidding war begins. Right. And then high school opt outs. And what about a player who goes to Bowling Green under those circumstances and rushes for 675 yards in the first three weeks? Then he was probably where he was supposed. Oh, in the first three weeks, and then and then oh, yeah. opts out in the middle of the year. Red shirt. You know, I'm I'm like it. I think it would be awesome, but it would it would probably lead to more professionalization. Of the sport. the Mac coaches are not going to like us for this. Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's hard enough to be a Mac like coach us for this. We started off the podcast by talking this about This is a, why we keep telling the Mac coaches to go become power five coordinators. Come yeah, on. I was going to say, we started the show off saying, you know, is, uh, is Joe Moorhead going to leave? You know, yeah. if he hears this, if he hears this prompt, he might. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, Akron. Sorry, Bowling Green. Sorry, Toledo. Sorry, Eastern Michigan. But that, that's uh, their spot on the food chain, too. Like, I don't know if I feel bad. I, I, I agree with you. You are where you are in the food chain. If you don't like it, move somewhere else on the food chain. I realize that's difficult, but that's life. It's like you don't feel everybody bad else for animals. Has, everybody else has to deal with that in their own professional lives. Like, yeah, you may not be where you want to be on your professional food chain. You, It's up to you to fix that. That's not everybody else's problem to fix. Mm -hmm. And we don't make the rules to cater to people at the bottom of the food chain. No, exactly. Unless it's so, the college football playoff. <laughs> That's at the bottom. I don't think 12 out of 130 is the no, bottom. I just, I was just, I, we have a long I had way to, to go before we hit the bottom. I had to needle you. I'm sorry. I had, yeah, yeah. long way to go before you hit bottom. Now, when they, when they make it the nut, what, 98 team or 90 team NCAA basketball tournament? And you know, you're going to be writing closer. a column in seven years saying this thing needs to be 24. More good oh. football. When people watch, when people watch, uh, maybe more maybe. games, more football. When people I watch, know, I don't know. It's more games at that point. Yeah, I think you I probably know, have to yeah. start taking games away. So I, I, I think they may have reached the point of diminishing return. We'll, yeah. we'll find out, but we'll see if my, my opinion changes on that. So, Manny, thank you for joining us. This has been a pleasure. Yes, had a lot of fun. Thanks Can for having me. We bug you again very soon. Sure, whenever you All need. All right, me. dude. That's two podcasts in two weeks, Manny. You're uh, you're just gonna be a regular soon. I'm well, moving up the food chain. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. <laughs> Listen, Manny's never worried about his place on the food chain. He is he is the shark. He is the apex predator. 
Yeah, Gentlemen, speaking of the food chain, I'm in Houston oh. and I have an hour and a half to kill. You got to send me some somewhere to go eat. Blood Brothers Barbecue. Is that, I'm in the Woodlands. I shouldn't have said Houston. Okay. Well, I, now I have to look at a map because okay. I can't. I, the I Woodlands. Need to yeah, okay. All right. What's, we'll, we'll on, talk what, about what's this in after. what suburb? But if if you happen to get that way, Blood Brothers Barbecue is spectacular. Pinkerton's Barbecue also very good in Houston. There's oh, Houston, it also has to be healthy. Thanks. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, little pulled pork. Some some collard greens, not the end of the world. You're not yeah. your, your your trainer's not going to get too mad. Yeah. All right, guys. We will talk later. Ari and I will get you ready for the second National Signing Day coming up on Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.